Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Dan. You know, it's weird because in the in messages, yeah, that avatar that I put in my contacts for you is the one where you're all clean cut. You got the you're wearing like a blue shirt and a tie. Yeah. And so when you message me, that's the one I see. But then in Skype, it's that one of you, the goofy one of you from when you're uh, you're a kid. You, you, uh, are you talking about the one with the orange background? The orange background, and you've got at least we talked about this once. You got like three shirts on and the cool glasses, and you're kind of a forward hairstyle, no beard. Yeah, you would describe that as being a picture of me when I was a kid. Yeah, when you're a kid. Yeah, I'm probably 36 in that picture. Hey, a good looking, uh, young, young looking 36 year old. <laughs> yeah, good little, the good looking little young 36 year old. I would have guessed in your 20s. Yeah, no, in, in my 20s, they didn't have color photography. <laughs> right. They, you've aged a lot in the last 10 years, like significantly. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, even <laughs> pictures of me when my daughter was born, I had just the tiniest, faintest little bit of gray in my beard. And mostly it was it was blonde. It wasn't even gray. And then in the last five years, my beard has gone almost completely white, so much so that a panhandler the other day addressed, addressed me as grandpa. Hey, grandpa. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you're, already, uh, you're already scoring points with me. What do you want? He was, you know, he was panhandling. <laughs> I was like, you got to try a different tactic, partner. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's not gonna that's not gonna fill his coffer. No, no, Grandpa. So I and it is hard for me to. Until just a few years ago, I still felt in every way that I was not somebody who was going to say age is just a number. But I, I had friends of all ages, and just felt like a human being in the world. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like nobody was going to say, Oh, you're too old for that. But now 48, Dan, I've, I've started just, just barely accepting the proposition that I'm starting maybe to become a little bit invisible to young people. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, I think if I, if I roll into a young person scene that their instinct is still going to be like, wow, this guy's wearing a cool hat and not <laughs> whose dad is here to pick them up. Um, right, right, right. No, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's like, I remember the age when Kids suddenly started treating me like I was an adult. Kids meaning actual like single digit or early double digit ages, you know, anywhere from zero to like 13 that they would, they would like, I was considered an adult. And I think one of my friends had an, a kid that uh, he was probably 10 years older than me, but his kid treated me like an, and I was like really weirded out by it. I'm like, what? I'm more like you than like your dad, buddy, you know, like we're kids, you know, let's go play, you know, some video games or something. But then there was like this change where like, then I was like kids. I was, a, I was in the dad age group all of a sudden. And I, I would, I wasn't happy with that. Now, of course I'm long used to that. But it's, I know what you're talking about, about being invisible to you. That's an interesting way to put it. I mean. But I know what you mean. In in rock music, 
when I was 22 and I would meet 30 year old rock musicians, 30 year old rock musicians who weren't in Soundgarden, you know, like 30 year old rock musicians <laughs> right. who were just still like out in the scene, kind of struggling, making their way. Uh, and I remember at 22 feeling like, <clears throat> what's up old man? Like, why aren't you, why didn't you move on to something else? Right. And, shouldn't you be playing jazz now? Or yeah. Something? Or just like got a job or <laughs> yeah. living in the suburbs right. at 30. And so when I was 30, I guess, I mean, when I was 30, frankly, all of my peers, uh, like the kids in death cab. And I mean, all those bands that I ended up making a career alongside, they were all 23. Like we're separated by that, that distance, seven years difference. And most of the guys that run my label, I mean, the kids in Harvey Danger were all much younger than I was. And that was that was weird. I don't know if I've described that to you, but because I was uh, because I went into kindergarten when I was four, I was always the youngest kid in my class. Yeah, no matter same what. thing. Same thing for me. Yeah. Always the youngest. And so I was the youngest up until college. And I and I didn't go to college right away. I took a year off before I went to college. So my freshman year in college, I was finally the same age as everybody, but I'd graduated in 86 and they'd all graduated in 87. And then I was kind of like, I was, I was surrounded by peers when I was in Seattle and when in my early twenties, everybody I knew was in their early twenties. And it wasn't until I got to be 30 and my whole music scene, all the people that I'd come up with were quitting music. They were like, right. I can't, you know, I have to go get a job at Amazon. I got a good job. got a good job offer as a copywriter at Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. And, and I hooked up with this much younger, the next generation of musicians. But you were and, accepted. You were welcomed into that. Yeah. Partly I think because I was, I mean, in a, in a sense, like, um, still, immature, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. but also uh, people that were my own age at 28 years old didn't, it was very difficult for them to, to, I, I, yeah, I've always been a little bit of an old man too. And when I was 27 and my friends were 27 and I would say, you know what, you know what, you know what the problem here is? You know, like I would adopt a kind of old man thing. Right. They were the same age as me, so they were very reluctant to uh to treat me as uh, to, to to defer to me. Sure. Yeah. But when I was 30 and, and I was hanging out with all these people that were 23 and I would say things like the thing about the earth is that it's made up of land and water. <laughs> They'd go, oh, you know, thank you for, I never thought of it that way. And I'd right. go, well, it's no trouble. I've just been around it a few times. So I know a thing or two. You get, you go on the earth until you arrive at the water. And ever since then, since I was 30, I've always been the old, one of the older guys. You know, the, the guys in Not A Surf were older than I was. The guys in, I mean, John Vanderslice was older than I was, but but a lot of my peers were younger and still are, you know, yeah. like the, those, those guys are just now arriving at 40 and saying, wow, 40. 
like, oh, 40 is in my rear view mirrors, yeah, my really. little friends. Yeah. So anyway, it's tough to, I, I just had lunch with my, uh, my, my dim summit pals. Oh, right. We go have that dim summit where we get too much dim sum and sit around and talk about how we're all 50 years old and none of us are rich yet. And today our guest at the dim summit, unlike my podcast life, I actually have guests in real life. When I go to lunch, <laughs> our guest was former Seattle mayor, Mike McGinn, who is, you know, older than we are, right? He's, I don't know if he's 60 yet, but he's certainly like a full grown person. Okay. And uh, we're all sitting around talking about how, how we're going to make money. And Mike McGinn, you know, he's not sure whether he wants to, whether he wants to run for office again or whether he wants to be part of a think tank. You know, he's trying to, he's got a podcast himself. Right. He's trying to navigate his way. But so in, a, in that group, I'm, I'm, I'm with a peer group. But I think the majority of the people that listen to our podcast are, are, I would say the majority are, are, are younger than we are. Yeah. Some of them are, some people are older than we are, but I, I looked at Instagram now has some, they're trying to show me metrics. Like everybody, everybody else is trying to show us metrics. I don't know why Instagram thinks I want to know metrics. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're using Instagram to promote your brand, you've got to know the metrics. Oh, you got to know the metrics. You've right? got to know the metrics. And I think I was on Instagram at one point and they said, uh, are you, are you promoting your brand? I mean, is this a, and you said yes, a, didn't you? Yeah. Is this a work right. Instagram or a, is this a, <laughs> a, a private Instagram? I was like, shit, it's a work Instagram. And what a mistake. Cause now they're advertising to me all the time. Like you want to promote this post? No, I don't want to promote it. Get right. out of here. Get away from me. But they were telling me that that uh, the majority of my Instagram followers are are twenty five in the twenty five year old bracket, um, eighteen to twenty five or something. I was like, really? What do those What do those kids make of me posting pictures of Gina Lola Brigida? Uh, but I don't know. You know, I'm a I'm I guess I'm a lovable old bear, a lovable old teddy bear. Yeah, something. I don't know. I can't. I cannot adjust to not being. Uh to the prospect even of not being a sex symbol uh, to well, young people. Who says you're not though? Well, that's that, the there are, listen, listen, there are, I think that the, the, the new generation that's out there now are looking to Hollywood for their kind of their, their role models. And what they see is the, what I'll, what I'll call the Johnny Depp situation. Cause oh, the Johnny Depp situation, you know, I, I put Johnny in our, age category he might be a little bit older right but i mean he's still he's the same yeah we're the same we're the same age. so he married that uh they were yeah, married that that uh the blonde woman i gotta look it up yeah because it's somebody, it's, oh i amber heard i don't know who amber heard oh, she's very pretty a uh, blonde woman actress they met on a uh in a you know on a set of a movie of course yeah and I think she's in her mid late twenties. Like, put her in the twenty. Let's. I'll say she's twenty. I'm sure I could look this up. Johnny Depp's fifty three. Oh, fifty three. So he's a little bit older. He's a little bit older. But you I know, mean, I he's think still he's probably same. he's probably putting hair club for men in his beard or something. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, just a normal person uh, who's about my age, and I was like, "You look great." And he said, "Well, you know, I put 
I put some kind of uh, dye in my beard. Like I comb in some brown. I was like, really? Uh. First of all, how interesting that you would just admit that as something <laughs> right. that's like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a, are you kidding me? I had a boob job. <laughs> I have a friend of mine. He's in his. He's probably in his mid fifties. And I saw him. I said, "You look good." He's like, "Oh, thanks. I dye my beard." <laughs> it was like the first thing he said. I'm like, "Well, isn't the whole aspect of this that you don't just announce it? Yeah, that you just the whole point of like what was that? Just for men or something like that? Or yeah. you just brush it in and get rid of okay? So, but my point is, Amber Heard is is thirty years old. Okay. Okay. And and Johnny Depp is fifty three. So that's a more than 20 years. It's 23 year difference. And that, but that's in Hollywood. That's normal. If you're a 20 something year old woman, you're looking for a guy, I would think who's 53 years old. Hmm. And so what I'm saying for you is, I think you might only now be stepping into when you're going to be attractive to the, the, the 20 something people. I see what you're saying. You, you, you've, you've been in a limbo state where you've actually been too young. Uh-huh. And now yeah. you're going to be the right age where you'll be, you, now you'll begin to start to be appreciated. Mm, it's about time I was appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think it's a, when I was younger, quite a bit younger, I felt like I had missed the boat on being able to have an earring. Like if I had gotten my ear, I remember a kid in my high school got his ear pierced and he had a lightning bolt (laughs) earring and we were about 17 and he was the first kid to get his ear pierced. And he, I mean, he was the first kid that wasn't like punk rock who got his ear pierced with a lightning bolt. He was just like a normal, normal guy. He was, you know, he's trying to be a little bit racy. And I thought at the time, like, that's a obviously I thought that was a dumb affectation, right? I thought <laughs> I thought black Levi's were a dumb affectation. Right, yeah. A, a lightning bolt earring. But then there was a like a like a like a brief window when I was 18 or 19 that I thought, what if I got my ears pierced and I got just gold hoops like pirate hoops? Not that a was a style. That was a style briefly. Yeah, not super long, but just like Adam and the Ants <laughs> style like pirate hoops. Right. And for like a, like a couple of weeks, I was like pirate hoops. Like I could pull it off. You were smart enough to wait though, weren't you? But I didn't do it. And then by the time I was 22, I was like, I'm too old to get earrings. Like it's the thing that if I had gotten them, then it would have set my life on a different course. Mm-hmm. And I'd like be a our, different, our tattoo discussion. That's right. I'd be somewhere else. Right you now would be a whole God. different person. And I felt the same way right about the early twenties about dyeing my hair. Like Kurt Cobain clearly dyed his hair. I remember the first time I saw Ken Stringfellow walking down Broadway with like red manic panic in his hair. And he was 25, you know, and mm-hmm. I was 25. And I felt like that's little kid stuff. Why are you doing that? And I felt like I'd missed the boat, right? If I'd been dyeing my hair this whole time, if I'd gone from blonde to green to like stripes. I mean, I know all kinds of guys my age who've been dying their hair their whole life getting, you know, uh, frosted tips or whatever it is, but I missed my chance and now it would be unseemly. You know, I couldn't, it's not like I could go 
It's not like I could show up around town with a brown beard all of a sudden and people would say, oh, sure, sure. It's like Elton John shows up one day with a full wig. And I mean, he owned it, right? He expected us all to believe it. And ever since then, we all are like, yeah, Elton John is bald as a cue ball, but he's wearing this um, like Elizabethan almost wig. Mm But so all that, I mean, I've lived and died on the, I've, I've planted my flag and made my stand on the hilltop, the San Juan Hill of being myself. And having done so, I cannot, I can't augment at all. I couldn't get any kind of augmentation. It would be, it would be, uh, it would betray my whole, my whole life's work. Well, okay. So if you went and dyed your hair black, like uh, Trent Reznor or something, I would see you had black hair. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I, I guess I guess his hair is black. I would say, oh, he's dyeing his hair black, but it'd be all right. right. It'd be like if you wore like a big uh, big top hat around or something like that. Yeah. Slash, you know what he, I mean? If, if I started wearing a big top hat around, you would say, oh, that's all right? Yeah, I'd be like, he wears a top hat now. It's yeah, John. John's, it's the, John's wearing a top hat. He's wearing a top hat around. I, but it, I wouldn't think, like, if you, his hair was suddenly all black, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I, of course he's dying it black. It's like, a, you know, when someone goes and gets a facelift, you know they've gotten something done. Mm-hmm. They just, they look better, or they think they look better, and you just, you just roll with it. You say, all right. That's all right. Well, yeah. I but I'm, so. I'm with you in that I think, I think you should... Let things let things be as far as like hair and 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 things like that. But if, I, that was the main reason that I I eventually got tired of of having the beard was because it there was to me there was so much gray in it. Are you not wearing a beard now? No, I got I got rid of it because there was so much gray. Yeah, but you're like a you know you Dan you're a you're a slim enough guy that your beard isn't really um. Your beard isn't camouflaging a whole world of like meat beard. <laughs> no. And, and, um, <laughs> right. And you know, if I, if I lose my beard, then I have to contend with the fact that my face is back out there. And, uh, my face is the, my face is the, was the problem in the first place. So there's just know. no way, there's no way for me to go. I can't, it's not like I'm going to start wearing a goatee. No. That's another thing it's too late for me to do. Start wearing a goatee. Can't do it. All I can do is just yeah, what I'm could. doing. No, you I'm, could. Sure you could. It'd be uh, very uh, Jeffrey Lebowski. Uh, Jeff Lebowski, the dude of, of you. Yeah, but that's not who I'm. I'm not repping some Lebowski. I have enough trouble with, you know, I have enough trouble being called uh, whatever it is that Merlin keeps calling me. My whole life. Um, I'm not going to tell you. No, I, I, I'm not going to tell is you. Is it on the, on the show? I'll just go. I have to go listen now. Not, not only because I don't want it repeated, but because uh, I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you can't remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like <laughs> You put it out of your mind. There's no. Well, I could never. I could never remember this guy's name because it's, he's not like a character. He's not a fixture on my own. Like I don't, I'm not a fan, right, of this person that I that Merlin teases me about. Like I, I always had a hard time remembering Paul, uh, or separating Paul Young from Paul Williams. 
and they're they're so different. They're very different artists, but you know, I think it's obvious why it's hard for me to to remember which is which. Paul Young, Paul Williams, they both their names are the same, Paul. Mm-hmm. And Young and Williams, both very Anglo-Saxon, boring names. Now you could totally do it. You could do it. I'm just thinking about it. You could goatee. You'd really look good in a go if you if you had some length on the on the chin part. Absolutely. I knew a guy that had a, a beard for a long time, and he shaved it to a goatee, and it was a uh, it was fine. It was no problem. Yeah, I think you'd really yeah you'd do, yeah. No. I'm into this now with nope. the nope. flip flops and the sweater the beige sweater with the with the stripe on it nope no or a no, bathrobe no. just walking around in a bathrobe no that's not where i want to yeah I i'm just saying I, I think you could do it i think you could do well, it yeah you're i just, could never do that you're imagining me because you're just imagining lebowski with my face and that's not <laughs> that that doesn't require a ton of imagination and no i don't that's not where i want to live i i have to resist the impulse to walk around in a bathrobe <laughs> not not like indulge in it yeah. Who says? <laughs> well, because, you know, I, because, Dan, I'm right at the age where, and I've talked about this quite a bit, right at the age where people start giving up, right at the age where people start to surrender. Yeah. Surrender you know? to. Eh, they just, yeah, you know, they, they got it. They got things. They got their life where it's comfortable. They don't want to figure out how to use the latest thing. They, they don't. So, they, so far, this sounds like you. What? What are you talking about? You got the old iPhone, your computers. You got to replace your computer. We just talked about that. Well, but I recognize I've got to replace it. I don't, you know, like the the surrendering is just like, well, it's what happens to parents where they're like, oh, I'm too busy to too busy to figure out what Snapchat is. Or oh, don't, yeah. you know, like they don't, uh, they, I was thinking about it the other day. It's not, it's not just, I, I've, I've told you about the fact that, I learned all this stuff about guitars and cars and all this stuff that I thought would be very useful information for the rest of my life. And it turns out nobody cares about those things anymore. But, but in ruminating on Snapchat and Snapchat's success with people and realizing that archiving your life is also maybe an artifact like we all grew up in a time when you didn't have to, my dad didn't really archive his life. You know, he threw, he threw away all the stuff that it, that what the hell he threw away all this stuff that was coming in that he didn't need. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were people who it was legitimate to say, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save these tickets from the opera the night I met my future wife and so forth. But maybe that too is going to end up being a kind of trait of an, of an old person. And the whole notion of saving all my emails or saving all my photos is just some weird, dumb, like crotchety hoarder mentality. And that it, that it isn't just a question of some people are hoarders and some people are, are live and, and moving through time without accumulating a bunch of barnacles, but it might, it might be generational. Like, why do you have these old pictures? Just live in the moment, get on with it. 
the the stuff that survives survives in survives as as when it's captured but capturing things is in and of itself like unhip mm. because all the all the people who are transacting the vast majority of their friend slash social stuff via snapchat yeah they're just leaving nothing they're leaving nothing behind but shadows there's no way to go back and refer to it and they and that's liberating and that feels uh contemporary and i'm sitting right now in a room that has so many corduroy vests from levi's stay press suits (laughs) in it that i could open a store that just sells levi's corduroys yeah and i and that always made sense. It always made sense to me that you would like you would wear vintage clothes and 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 uh, and harken back. You know, I, I don't think that I live stuck in time, but just that I, I've always seen the value and, and thought it was interesting and clever and also gave you a sense of rootedness to harken back. What did they used to do? What you know, I'd. I was, I was talking to somebody today, uh, a younger person who asked me the question. She, uh, she was reading Hemingway and she said, did people back then not realize that you shouldn't drink when you're pregnant? You know, she asked it just sort of like, yeah. what, what's the problem with the protagonists in this story who are pregnant and drinking? And I said, no, people didn't know that you shouldn't drink when you were pregnant until the late 80s. Like it was really a controversial science to say that smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol had any negative health consequences at all until I was in high school. You know, I, I, you, you surely remember a time in the late 80s when the anti-cigarette lobby still seemed like sort of crackpots and the cigarette people were like, what is all this hullabaloo? There's no, there's no evidence to support cigarettes are bad for you. Why? These cigarettes are toasted. They're delicious, <laughs> you know, menthol. They're like, it's like taking medicine. Yeah. And that's in recent memory, right? And, and. And, um, you know, knowing that, knowing that type of thing, having lived through it, it's very interesting. It's, it, it gives an interesting perspective on, on a lot of the, a lot of the panic that's, that, that we're feeling now about like, well, I guess it's the end of the world. Uh, the -hmm. new administration has appointed all these, all these, like, I mean, literally, people that are waiting for the rapture, but in the meantime, they will be the assist, the attorney general. Right. Oh, sure. I'll be the attorney general for a few years until the rapture. Uh, but in the long scope of things, like we've been, we've been making a lot of progress and also we're not that far away from a time. I'm sure there are still people who are like, there's nothing wrong with cigarettes. I mean, you don't see as many people smoking anymore, but yeah, but I, I, I just, I wonder whether in that, process of time marching on like my dad was 87 when he died and he didn't know how to use email very well but he used it Mm -hmm. and the world had changed quite a bit but it still felt like i mean certainly his 
pictures from his childhood were all in black and white and mine were in color, but we still kept pictures of ourselves from childhood. Mm -hmm. But to think that we've now turned some kind of corner into such a radically different architecture of, of, uh, I mean, I guess an architecture of the imagination where, where people of the next generation are just going to feel like, ah, pictures, they just weigh you down or, you know, why would I want to look at myself as a kid? I'm not sure if I, I don't even have entree into, into Snapchat generations way of thinking enough to know whether I, whether I'm developing an accurate picture or whether, whether uh, everyone who's 24 that's listening to this program is saying, what? No, we still keep pictures. We just are on Snapchat sending, sending boob pictures that we don't want to see again. Right. But like, we also have a separate category for pictures that we care about. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm feeling definitely that people are rewiring, you know, rewiring mm-hmm. their minds in a way that, that's going to make that generational divide much starker and watching other 48 year olds who are just very contentedly out to pasture on Facebook, sending each other links to fake news. Then they feel like, what are you talking about? I'm on the internet. Like I'm part of the wired culture and they're just so far not, they're so far out of, of like where the electricity is on the internet. Well, I mean, Snapchat's a really good example to me of what you're talking about because it's even Facebook and to some degree Twitter, both I think if you spend a little bit of time using them and you've used websites, you've logged into a website at some point, these are things you would eventually you could figure them out. But the way that Snapchat works is so different. The interface is different. The fact that so much of what it can do isn't obvious and you have to kind of play around with it to discover its features. You have to, uh, you have to be open-minded to the fact that not everything's going to be labeled or labeled in a conventional sense. And sometimes you need to gesture, swipe, pull down, whatever to, to get to that thing. Um, you know, the whole contention that uh, you should take a photo in widescreen or a video, especially in widescreen, as opposed to in portrait mode. Um, they threw that out the window. Lots, lots and lots of things that just even to somebody who's been used to technology and used to using an iPhone for many or smartphone for many, many, many years, it turns that all upside down. It's all on its head. It's all different. And I don't know if it's that people feel threatened by it being so different, but I remember the first time that I started using Snapchat. I was like, what the heck is going on? None of this works the way that I expect it to work. Now, now it's fine. Now I'm used to it. But I think there's something about that, that for at least for me and for a lot of people who considered themselves to be computer savvy, at least competent all of a sudden they felt completely incompetent the way that i assume my my mom must feel when you know when she's like recently she got a new iphone and 
uh, wants to, she wants to sell the old one and she's going to put it to like a ne- take it to next worth or a you know gazelle or something like that and it gives you the instructions it says oh just make sure you remove your sim card she's like I didn't know it had a sim card I don't know how to take it out I don't know what it is and I had to explain it to her and of course it popped out when she used the paperclip it was fine but like she was completely befuddled by it I had no idea whereas to, to me it's like well, duh, like it's right. It's a SIM card. Like where else? Of course it has a SIM card, you know, and, and that's how I think a lot of us, maybe the first time we tried Snapchat felt was like, I don't know what's going on. And I thought I was a technology person or I thought I was competent. I thought I was computer savvy. I can sit in any car and drive it. Even if you put the steering wheel on the other side, I'm going to be fine. I'll drive it. It's no, no big deal. But all of a sudden now you put it in and, and the controls were like a, a floating ball in the center of the car. And you're supposed to like, shout at it to go where you want to go like that that doesn't feel right i'm not used to that (laughs) and i think there's the aspect of that with um you know with 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 snapchat in that you define it or describe it as electricity and it really is that it's something that's so very different but that to people who are in that culture whether they're teenagers or older that's inherently the way that they think and the way that they work and our concept of i want to take a picture to save it and put it in uh, an album or a or a box and go through it like by the fire and christmas time like that that those days seem gone to me yeah well john you know we have a sponsor this week it's uh it's audible are you familiar with the audible folks i am you know, I yeah. would a guy like you spending time in your bathrobe and flip flops a lot. I wouldn't mm-hmm. imagine you're you're commuting every day to the to the office. But um, have you ever enjoyed like listening to a book on uh, a book on tape, as we used to say in, book on in, tape. in the old days? Have you ever listened to a book on tape? Yeah, absolutely. We, the although I don't commute, um, <clears throat> I tour. And that involves sometimes eight hours a day in the, in the van. Wow. Um, some people in the music world, you know, the bands spend most of the time in the van just with headphones on. So everyone is consuming different media from one another. All right. But, but in the long winters, we always like to have something playing so that we were all either listening to the same music or we listen to comedy records a lot. And, we listened to books. So it was, a, it was actually a thing that, I mean, uh, let's, uh, the, the concept was that it brought us together. Right. Uh, it brought us together often in mutual admiration of a, of another work. It's pretty cool. I, I yeah. mean, I think, and that's one of the ways that more and more people are they're working from home or they're not commuting the way that they might've used to, you know, commute around, but travel, it's such a great, opportunity to listen to stuff we've done that merlin always talks about how great the like the harry potter novels are how well they're read uh by the the and that's what they do they get the really great voice talent to do it it's not like just some you know some lady sitting there reading off a book like they they do the voices they may they make it super listenable the way you would you would want to hear it the way you might read it out loud if you uh if you were really into the story and uh they they do such a great job they've got tons and tons and tons of content they've got audiobooks they've got original audio shows they've got news they got uh, comedy i mean you name it membership <clears throat> excuse me membership when you sign up includes 
uh, you get a free audiobook a month. You get these exclusive deals where you're going to get like 30% off their regularly priced audiobooks. You get access to this channel's content that they do. You get There's a free app for your iPhone, iPad. You got your Android. You got your Windows phone. They got a, an, an app for all that stuff. And unlike a streaming or a rental service, you own the books. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And uh, you can, they even have this cool thing of the, the great listen guarantee. If you start out listening to something, you're like, oh, you know, I don't like this. You can swap it. They let you swap it for something else. It's super, super cool. And uh, they have uh, made a special URL for listeners of this program. It's hmm. audible.com slash roadwork. One word, of course. Audible.com slash roadwork. And uh, you know what they say? They have a the thing they say. Oh, what's it, their thing? Their thing is. Wait, they have a tag? It's a tagline. Tag it's a uh-huh. tagline that uh, yeah, I would like to share with you. That's smart. You can't, John, it actually says John. Uh-huh. You can't yes. make more time, but you right. can make the most of it. And so go try uh, Audible. That's their, their Well done. Is. Well done, tagline. You can't make more time. No. Nope. Which is true. Nope. That's any physicist will tell you. <laughs> and But you can make the most of it. Make the most of it. So they're giving our listeners a 30-day free trial membership. Go to audible.com slash roadwork. Go check it out and get. guess what? You get a free book out of that. You can start. Uh, you can download it. Well, it doesn't have to be a book. Any, any of the titles there. It's free. Start listening right away, and it's yours. Yours to keep. So go check them out. Thanks very much to audible.com slash roadwork for supporting uh, this uh, lovely program. Right on. I was in the car yesterday with a couple of guys who are working in the VR world cool. and one of them said, well, it's not really V it's not really VR. We're, we're doing more extended reality. And I said, wait a minute. And these aren't young people necessarily. They're in their, you know, their thirties, thirties. And I said, extended reality. Are you talking about augmented reality? Mm. And he said, well, we don't really use that term anymore. <laughs> extended reality is the new term. That's being put forth by, it's being, I guess, like pushed by Microsoft as their, it's their venti instead of, it's mm. their grande venti nomenclature. Right. And then the other guy was like, well, and he used some other term for augmented reality that was, you know, that was more Oculus or something. I don't know. Who knows? But it, it threw me again into, into the world of contemplating augmented reality and understanding that that is precisely going to be what you're describing. I won't be able to get into a car anymore, especially since they'll all be self-driving cars by then. But right, I, won't be, I won't be able to... Um, I won't be able to fully experience the world as it's happening fully experience the world of other human beings. If I don't stay limber, like really limber, because I will be just precisely the age when true AR becomes a, it goes out of beta when you're not just sitting around looking at uh, 3d videos of yourself flying over Iceland, but you're truly walking down the street with, with um, Google glass on, with that additional layer and, and, and watching Snapchat and the filters and understanding that 
for now it's fun, but it's going to, it's a very short leap to a time when people with people who are in AR, by which I mean living within an AR universe are going to be modifying their, modifying their selves via filter in real time. So you walk up to your friend and you're like, hi friend. And your friend has antlers on and a little (laughs) funny nose and they're floating stars around their head. Right. And if you're not in that world, they just look like a normal person wearing Google glass. But to be in that world, you're essentially looking at people representing themselves as avatars. And then all the other layers of data around that you'll, you'll just be having a, fundamentally different experience and and it won't be long before people who've grown up in that world are totally impatient with you if you're not experiencing their avatar as their primary interface right they're not going to it's just something that you do with your grandma you go sit in a chair and let her look at your real face yeah and most people my generation are going to experience that as primarily as a novelty in the same way that putting putting antlers on me and a cute button nose in Snapchat is like lol. But uh, my daughter, she's also lolling. But if you could let her be a little, a little bear or a little deer all day long, she would. Yeah. Oh yeah. Signed on. Oh yeah. And she'll be the one that she'll be the generation that pushes it, that demands it. And that that's their, that's their way of seeing. And that's what it is. It's, you know, it's burger, it's ways of seeing, but it's, it's our new, you know, it's, it's the new um, value add. And I don't, I'm not prepared to be, one of the grandparents who's like, take those off and let me look at you or to be in that space and just bumbling around like, lol, look at me. I've got antlers on anyway, back to work at the steam plant. Yeah. But I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how, I mean, I'm not entirely going to be welcome over there. Right? Like what the hell is it's like being, it's like being 50 years old. I was about to say it's like being 50 years old at a punk rock club, but the, but honestly, most of the people at punk rock clubs now are 50 years old. It's like being, it's like being 50 years old at an EDM concert. Yeah. Uh, or at a, at a, you know, at, at whatever the contemporary rave space is. And you see those people, you go to a, to a true young people concert and you see the, the, the weird, burning man guy in there. Who's like, I'll never die. (laughs) When I went to the Miley Cyrus concert, I was such a granddad, like the only person in the venue that wasn't working security or lighting. Right. That was over 28, but that felt that was knowable to me because it was a rock concert. And this was a young rock concert and a young rock crowd. But it would it'll be very different when everybody at a Miley Cyrus concert is is primarily experiencing the show through their their AR lens. 
And I'm sitting in the audience going, why is everybody waving their hands now? Why, why is everybody, what just happened? Um, Have you seen any, any of the episodes of Black Mirror? Yes. I feel like some of those, and, and did you see that movie Surrogates with uh, no. Bruce Willis in it? No. Well, the, the, the Black Mirror, I think, is more on point with what you're talking about in the sense that there was, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's one of them where people of all different genders and races and everything get to sort of go and live in a virtual world. I'm not giving anything away. Uh, but you have this concept that people can choose in that world, which is where people are going. Like that's where they go to, to be social. That's where they go to do whatever it is that they want to do because essentially there's no, you can't you can't get hurt. You can't die. There's no diseases. You know what I'm saying? You can truly do whatever you want. And you can appear and be whoever you want. And if they've got it down in a virtual, true virtual reality in the sense that you are you are alive in this other place, but it's all happening in, in your mind and then collectively in everyone else's mind, as opposed to putting on glasses and seeing your daughter with antlers or whatever. But, you know, something, uh, something about that, it, to me, is less appealing than an augmented real world. I don't know why, but I like the idea of... Well, yeah, because, because the staying one... Staying in the real world. The one thing, the, the true, like, VR, mm-hmm. that's just masturbatory. And I think everybody ultimately knows that it's that that's a masturbation environment. Yeah. Um, the true, the true, the true evolution of it is just that all the time you, I only know you as the little deer face. And why would I want to see your dumb regular face? Right. Your deer face. You're so cute in the deer face land. (laughs) And I mean the, the, the black mirror that I, remember on this topic was the one where everybody was walking around with their social media rating kind of hovering over their head visible through some, you know, through some kind of technology. I'm not, I don't exactly remember how that was visible to everybody. Oh, it was the, it was, they had, they were carrying around their phones and they were looking at everybody, looking at everybody's social media through a little handheld device. Right, 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 right. But It'll be like that just, I mean, I hate to keep coming back to it because Google Glass was such a shameful thing, but then, but it is, they were just a little bit ahead of the curve and, and that will be the, that will be the interface, some kind of, some kind of shield that where, where this additional layer is being projected until we can put it right into our retinas, which I think we already have the technology to do. That type of stuff will take a, that's a generational shift where people are, will be willing to have a surgical augmentation mm-hmm. in the digital realm. Like, yeah, we're going to just going to put this in the side of your head and it's going to connect to your, connect to your brain and you'll be able to see all of your Facebook stuff like right inside your imagination. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, like that sort of dystopian version of it, like, Oh, everybody's, everybody's, um, 
uh, oh, what the fuck was that website that everybody was afraid of a couple of years ago? MySpace. No, your clout score. Oh yeah. I remember, remember people telling me with a straight face, like, oh, well, if you go check into a hotel, they're going to look at your clout score. No. And if your clout score isn't, no, you know, above 75, then you're going to get the shitty room. Yeah, that's what this dark, one of the, the dark mirror you're talking about was like. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, uh, and I just, I mean, there might be an element of that. It's hard to know which way it's going to go, but, but, um, once that, once that world of possibility is open and particularly, I mean, if you decide that you're a member of the deer, if your avatar is a little like sparkly deer, Mm -hmm. the absolute next level is, well, would you like to be connected to all the other sparkly deer in the world? And then you're, then you have a friend group a global friend group of other people who feel like they are sparkly deer. I think the furries may be way ahead of us on this one. <laughs> and then you and the other sparkly deer start to have a beef with people that are like members of the raccoon clan. And then pretty soon, Dan, it's all against all war. Uh-huh. It's going to be war in meat space as the deer and the raccoons battle it out. There's a science fiction movie I always wanted to make where it's basically neighborhood stick fights concept, uh-huh. except people just identify with whatever they want. And so all the religious fanatics will be there in their different colored jumpsuits with the, you know, with a half moon logo on the back or a star of David or a, or a Christian or an Orthodox cross. But then there'll also be all these teams of people with like Nike swoosh or Christmas tree or whatever they think they're fighting for. Right. You know, Apple logo. And maybe it's, and then they, you know, then they are having battles like neighborhood stick fights in an arena where it's like, all right, the Muslims are fighting the Apple nerds today at four (laughs) who will prevail. But particularly if everybody's wearing AR and it's like the deer versus the raccoons. You know, I this so the surrogates movie takes it into the the real world in a very strange way. In that the the concept is that people have remotely controlled androids, which are called surrogates. Oh yeah, and these are idealized forms of themselves. So the the android would look just like you. Except I feel like I've seen this or I've read this book. It might have been a book, yeah. It might have, you know it was a I think it was a comic book. And in the so so the your android would look like you, but you in your prime, you in an idealized version of you in your prime, which is to say physically fit um you know, no no physical issues of any kind, beautiful clothes that fit. You know what I'm saying? Like none of the real life crap we have to deal with. Fitter, happier. Yeah. Yeah. Young. No antibiotics. Right. And you are connected up. You're the real John Roderick is sitting probably in some kind of lazy boy recliner, filthy homebound, you know, 
I know I've read this story. And, this was, and, this and, was and a you, short story or something. And you're remote controlling, but you're not just remote controlling it like with a joystick. Like you are living through mm-hmm. and feeling and seeing everything except like if, if you're surrogate get gets a, it's you know finger cut in a caught in a door you you're not going to feel that kind of pain like you can right. feel good feelings but you, you so i assume you could have sex with other surrogates or people and and feel it but you don't like if it dies like you don't well the the movie is that i guess some of them are dying and then the the humans are dying as well and that's what they're trying to figure out but is bruce willis a cop in this movie he's, yeah he's like a uh he's an fbi agent if i remember yeah okay all right and uh and so something happens to his this is a, i would say it's still worth watching how old is this movie 2000 let me look this up 2009 uh-huh. so it's relatively recent but he yeah. he winds up um he winds up getting his uh, Android gets hurt or screwed up, broken up. And then he has to go out into the real world as Uh in his own body Uh where everyone else, like except basically like homeless people, everybody else is all surrogates, right? It's all surrogates everywhere. So he's sort of like old and pudgy and yeah, it looks pretty bad. Yeah. And, and, and people are used to dealing with him as this like superhero, you know, he's like, like a, his Android body is great. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think, I don't know how far away we are from something like this, but it act, that actually seems less likely to me than just having everything go on in a virtual world. Why build Androids? If you could just plug in and then you're in, you know, 1950s America, that's where my, my house is going to be in 1950s America. And that, that's that neighborhood that I live in. And you're going to be in the one from the 1960s because that's the car that you want. And, you know, yeah, but I, but I, but I feel like the I feel like the problem with complete virtual reality is always just sort of as is described in the movie Up, um, where everybody's just pudgy yeah. uh, consumer living on a spaceship. That's not Up. That's um, Wally. A oh, Wally. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Up is the one with the balloons. And yeah. The, well, yeah. They're, they're also pudgy in that. Yeah. But. It it never feels a hundred percent like other than maybe and maybe the movie Elysium is a is is closer to what the truth of those scenarios would be that there's just a uh, like a supra class that lives right literally above while everyone else toils below, um and that may yet happen but but the people bodily will still exist. And, right. And the idea of a of a a matrix scenario where our human bodies are just in you know encased in jello in a pod and we're living wholly in our imaginations like wholly in a dream state. I feel like the I feel like technologically why bother? You know like why bother creating that infrastructure? Why bother making yourself that vulnerable? First of all, it's, it's one of the reasons we don't have super high speed maglev trains is that it's a great idea. It would be awesome, except the vulnerability of you of someone in a maglev train, like every time you got in one and this is different from the vulnerability of being in an airplane, 
if you're in a maglev train and there's any, and you're going 700 miles an hour across the country mm-hmm. or 1700 miles an hour, one screw up and you're just vaporized. You know, there, there would be other short of burying the entire tube 20 feet underground. Mm-hmm. At which point, you know, who knows what other, in other, what other ways you're vulnerable. But if it was just on pylons soaring above the country, you know, all you'd have to do is stand out in a field and shoot it with a gun and the, 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 uh, vacuum would be broken and the whole thing would explode, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and, and the same would be true of like, how far you would have to go to be willing to just be encased in jello and, and obviously like maintained either maintained by robots or maintained by a slave class. Now nah, you'd be too, it would just, it would just, I, it would be just so much easier to put goggles on everybody and have them continue to do things in the world and just have them experiencing it differently. I mean, you could, if you're, what what was uh, what was the movie where the oh shallow Hal oh yeah right, I mean everybody would be a form of shallow Hal. It wouldn't actually matter. It doesn't matter what shape your body is when you're lying in the you're lying there having sex with somebody. Like sex is pretty. Sex is a lot better if everybody's chubby. Frankly, <laughs> um, sex as a chubby person with chubby people is the best. I don't want a bunch of skinny people having sex. It sounds like silverware rattling in a drawer. <laughs> uh, but if you could, if you had goggles on that made everyone look like a 21 year old Scarlett Johansson and made you look like a 21 year old Ryan Gosling, like why, why wouldn't you just put those goggles on and just have sex with your normal friends? Yeah. It's just a lot cheaper and it's a lot more in between. And you'd still, you know, you'd still go to work. You'd just go to work. And instead of assembling like Rolaids in a, in a wrapper, you'd be, I don't know what, I don't know what, how your work, it'd be turned into a game is what it would be. Like every time you completed one of your little manufacturing tasks, you would get some coin that went bling 100 points. I mean, if I, if I, the amount of time I spend sitting and playing solitaire, I could just as easily be playing. I could easily be, be making something with my hands, you know, sitting in and putting things together. And if it was characterized as a kind of mind, um, not numbing, but like mind engaging little like points game rather than you got to make these things by the end of the day, you haven't made your, you haven't made your things. If it was gamified, via ar oh my god dan that's this that's how it's gonna go yeah every little dumb thing you do even if you're working as a cashier in a candy store the person comes in and goes i want some candy and step on it and if you respond rudely you're only gonna make 20 points but if you respond nicely you'll make 100 points who's judging how many points you get the other person the algorithm oh the algorithm bling like your boss, your the bosses will have designed algorithms for customer service and for performance, and that and the, then the points you score will be your will determine your bonuses or your wage. I mean, it it's it was so easy when I was a kid in elementary school 
to motivate me. Um, in third grade, my teacher did this and in a way it fucked me up for the rest of my life. Oh man. But he, he motivated us by saying that instead of grades, we were going to get money and it was virtual money. It wasn't, he didn't actually give us money. Right. He just said every homework assignment is worth 25 cents instead of A, B, C, D, E or A, B, C, D, F. Right. Oh my God. I was so motivated. Yeah, no doubt. It was just at the end of the year. He should have given me my $150 mm-hmm. or what earned 25 cents at a time. And they, and he failed to do it. And that's when I lost faith in all adults. But, <laughs> but if that, if that, as, as you should have, Oh my God, I absolutely did. I was like, wait a minute. I worked my ass off all year and you're, you're buying me ice cream Sunday. That's not, I want $125 or however much I'd earned. It was not insignificant amount of money, 25 cents at a time. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's going to be the, there's not going to be a, v, uh, a complete like VR scenario where you lie in a bed and have some sleeve over your body where you feel sensations and have some sleeve. Men have a sleeve over their penis and women have a, uh, some reverse sleeve in their vaginas and we're all having imaginary sex with each. (laughs) Well, those things are going throb, 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 you know, it, you'll be able to buy that experience, but you'll also be able to just go out and change your settings and say like, well, tonight I would like my wife to be, a 1950s Gina Lola Brigida. Right. And I, I've been seeing your pictures, by the way, but you're forgetting one aspect or maybe you're getting to it now, which is you're talking about how, you know, uh, you, your your daughter might want to appear as a little deer with antlers. Maybe you want her to look like a cat. So right. you're going to you're going now she looks like a cat to you in the same way that your avatar. See, I see what you're doing here. You're going back to what I said at the beginning, which is like. You can't control, you can on Twitter, you can on Facebook, you can elsewhere, but in my contacts list, the picture that I have for you is that one of, of you with the suit or the tie, you know, the shirt and the tie on. I don't know why I picked that. I think when I was adding your contact info, I went to like johnroderick.com and it was there and I dragged the image out of it onto my contacts, but, but like it, it might bother you that that's the image that I have of you that I'm always seeing anytime that you text or call me or vice versa. You might be like, well, that wouldn't be the one I might want, Dan. Or you might say, I don't care. Dan can look at me however he wants. Right. But on Twitter, you you get tired of your avatar. You'd say you finally do shave off the beard and go down to that awesome goatee. Uh-huh. You might want to update your Twitter avatar, but what if no one else ever saw it? They just saw whatever version of John they felt like or they had put on there five years ago. You know, I think there's something interesting there, too, that that you can you can it kind of goes in both directions. You can change the way you see other people and the way you interact with the world. It's like sitting down to somebody else's computer at at the office and, you know, they've got a million icons all over their desktop and they've got all kinds of weird hot corners. You accidentally keep launching, you know, the screensaver cause your mouse went to the, toward the corner and that's the way they have it set up or you get mission control and all the windows pop up into the grid because you went to the upper right hand corner and it, what, what, what's going on over here? Yeah. 
you know, and and that's how people's realities are going to start to get uh, very, very customized, very tweaked. Well, I w- so I wonder, you know, what will be the what will be the workaround there? Because you could have your settings such that you allow people to to tweak you to tweak you, or you can have your settings set so that they can't, and that will be another social divider, right? where you're interacting with somebody and you're being forced to see their avatar as they're presenting it. And you're like, I don't want to interact with people like that. Right. Me and my friends have our settings right? so that uh, you can, you know, you can have the other person be whoever they want, but that's going to be very stressful within a marriage where, you know, where the husband is like, I would really like it if you would just have open settings for a while, honey. <laughs> right. right. And the wife is like, no, you're going to see me as I portray myself. Right. I want to, I want to always, you married me. You didn't marry uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. You married me fifties, Marilyn Monroe. Right. Not me, whatever, you know, floozy you want me to be. Right. I mean, that's going to be an interesting, I think that again will be sort of momentary. Um, and I wonder at that point, how much, how much, how interesting actors and movies will be to us. Because at the point at which you are able to modify your own avatar and have your, your real life scenarios be, be tweaked in that way, who cares about Gwyneth Paltrow? Frankly, if I were Gwyneth Paltrow, I'd want to tweak certain aspects of myself. Or you just put you put you put your tweaked version of yourself out there, and other people can uh, license it and use it from you. Well, sure, but what I mean is, why will why will we be? I don't think we'll be as interested in watching dramatized stories. No, definitely not. Because what you know, uh, right now those people are are stand-ins for us. Those adventures are stand-ins. Like, oh, I wish I was a karate chopping. Uh, Right. You know, a, a secret agent, or I wish that, you know, or I don't, people that watch those films that dramatize divorces, like, oh, I'm really having a cathartic experience watching these other people's divorce. There are such films? Yeah. Didn't you ever see Kramer versus Kramer? Well, I wouldn't say that. Glamorized it. It looked miserable. Well, that's what I mean. Like, but it, but it <laughs> idealized it in the sense that it's not you, it's Dustin Hoffman. Right, right, sure. You know, it's, it's some kind of, you're watching these stories as a way of, of, uh, living vicariously. But if you can just, and there'll be, it'll be very interesting to see like who is living primarily in the world with minor modifications and who is living primarily in the modified world with just minor interactions. But I think there's, I think for a very long time, there's going to continue to be an actual world that we have to live in and interact with. I'm very, I'm very interested in it. When Snapchat came out with those snap specs, I was really confused as to why they were strictly just, little video cameras mm-hmm. and why they didn't have a, like a backward facing component right. where the, where the lenses were actually showing you because Snapchat has all those filters already made. That's the proprietary uh, 
that facial recognition and that those filters are their are their bread and butter. Right. But why, if they were going to get into the hardware business, why they wouldn't have gone that extra step and gotten into the business of pu- putting their filters on the world outside. It just seemed like absolutely the next step. And, and I think those glasses are cool. I met the woman that designed those glasses. Oh yeah. Like just the aesthetics of them. And I was like, you know, to, to, as someone who's in the glasses game, mm-hmm. you know, game respect game here. And, and the craziest thing is how do you make a, a glasses frame that looks pretty good on everyone? It's hard to do. Like the wayfarers look pretty good on everyone. The, um, the aviators look pretty good on everyone, but not everybody can wear them. But those snap specs and, and they're, they're weird, right? They're, I mean, a round lens doesn't typically look good on everyone, but I think they're very cool looking glasses, but they just, they don't have that, uh, that what I would expect was the, the next iteration of, of the technology. They just kind of put, they put a video camera up on your face, Yeah, but you can't even watch the things that you can't even replay the videos in, in the, in the lenses where, where it kind of belongs. I don't know. I want to, I, it's a big money making world over there. And I really want to be, I want to take my vision to Miami. Like I want to, I want to make, I want this to be the space in which I get really rich, but I'm, I'm just over here. I'm just over here punditing. Right. I don't actually have any. Are you wearing the glasses around though? Or can you not? Cause they're, you can't put a prescription in them, right? You can, it's just extra cash. Right. Um, but I, that's exactly the problem. Like if I want to make a snap, I can use my phone. I don't need the, I'm not living in that world so much that the glasses are worth taking with me when I leave the house. Yeah. Because what do I, you know, I haven't made snaps lately because I was having a, I was having a disagreement with the app. Um, but, but even, even when I was, I was doing what five or six a day. I'd tell a little story like, Hey, I'm on my way to the supermarket and so forth. But, (coughs) but I'm, I'm an old fogey. So I'm using Snapchat primarily as a broadcast medium. Right. Rather than interacting with specific people. And a lot of people on there would do this really weird thing, which is like they would tag me on their videos that they were just making. Like I'm watching the game and tag and, you to, to bring your attention to it or well, yeah, it would come up in my private messages. Like, Oh, I got a message from somebody I don't know. And I would look at it and it's like, Haha, my cat is chasing a ball. I'm like, I don't know you. Why am I looking at this video of you? Yeah. If I want, to, I guess I wouldn't know how to go find it, but I don't want to. That's why I didn't go find it. And that's what's curious about that, that app. It's not really set up to retweet. It's not set up for you to go out and meet and find interesting people. That, that girl, the, the Vine star girl that did the, is the, is the outside right? 
Yes. Or is the outside right? Check. Uh-huh. The inside, you know, fresh inside. Check. Is the frame in the trunk wide? Yes. I loved that vine so much. I watched it a hundred times so much that I went and followed her Snapchat. All right. And uh, she does 800 snaps a day where she's just like, look, I'm making a smoothie. Woo-hoo! And I was like, no, thank you. Right. You're out. I don't want to be in this person's life. I like that one vine she did. See, I think there's something. <sighs> one of the things that makes Snapchat different and I think that changes that made it such a game changer is everything else that we'd been creating up until that point really before Snapchat was meant to stick around. Even vine vine was the vines that were created were meant to stick around. So you would make it. It might only be, was it 15 seconds or whatever it was you could do on a vine first. Uh, Rest in peace. Yeah. Those were still essentially permanent. You would make them, they would be up there, people could share them and look at them and like them and they were there forever. Whereas Snapchat obviously is not meant to be like that. It is meant to be seen maybe once and then then go away. And the whole concept, again, back to what we were talking about before, that is a very foreign concept, I think, to to people of a certain age and beyond where you say, wow, making something that's just going to go away, that isn't going to be saved, that's that's not, you know, I need more storage on my iPhone. I don't want less. And what's taking up the storage? My, my photos, my videos, all that stuff I'm making that uh, in theory I'm going to keep and want to keep around. And now you're telling me that, the, that a whole generation of people are not keeping their stuff anymore. They're making things that are only intended to be seen by whatever that audience is. That one time it seems so throwaway. It seems, uh, it seems somehow wrong. It seems like it shouldn't, it shouldn't work that way. You know, that why would you go to the trouble to make something that wasn't going to continue on? I don't know. It's, it's a different, it's a different concept. Yeah, for me, the idea of the idea of making a living in this in between place, right? I mean, if it weren't for Merlin, I don't know. I wouldn't have found my way into the certainly into podcasting, right? But I was a I was very suspicious of Twitter. I was a late adopter. It was only Hodgman and Colton just hectoring me right. that caused me to to start doing that. I was thinking about it. Would I would I have made four more long winters records? In one scenario, I might have. Oh, if you hadn't have gotten onto social media, yeah. But I mean, John Vanderslice was a peer of mine, about the same age, making records contemporaneous with me he hasn't made a record in in at least as long as i haven't the wrens obviously famously haven't made a record in that time a lot of my friends have dave bazan and death cab have continued to make albums but would i have or would i have i don't know what i'm not really suited to get a job but if um you know if the podcast 
market gets so saturated that people don't want, they just don't have an hour and a half a day to listen to you and me talk about whatever's on our minds, which I have no way of, I have no way, no way of prognosticating even 10 years from now. Yeah. But, but what we have a very unstable way of making a living and it's not, it's not unlike a lot of people in this space. If you're a, if you're a developer, if you, if you learn visual basic or if you were somebody that really knew Fortran, like your, your skill set isn't, you, you need to keep taking continuing legal education, but I don't see that lawyers are, I don't see that, that there isn't going to be a market for lawyers right? for the conce- conceivable future, foreseeable future. 40 years from now, there's still going to be plenty of lawyers and we're going to need plenty of lawyers and yeah. doctors too. Yeah. Although doctors are going to have to understand digital technology and, and nanotechnology a lot faster than the rest of us. But for us who are just sort of, uh, I guess personalities for sale. When the, when the culture moves on, we will in some ways be the last to know. You know, we'll be sitting over here. I'll be saying, well, one time I was a ski instructor <laughs> and the people on the ski mountain didn't listen to me closely enough. And so I got a megaphone. And, and meanwhile, um, the, the big crowds will be congregating around somebody who is, I don't know what, not probably Snapchatting. But some some next version of what what people will find entertaining, and I don't know. I mean, uh, one of the advantages of podcasting is that storytelling is eternal, or appears to be eternal. Everybody, storytelling was one of the first things we did as as human beings, and will will probably be one of the last things we do. But the way storytelling, the form that storytelling takes, I just don't. I just I just don't know. Maybe it'll go back to Plato's cave. Maybe it'll just be shadow dancing. I'll be pretty good at that too. 